Hi, everybody. Fireside chat number. 224. 224. Wow, I thought it was 222. Boy, life goes by. I can date my life by fireside chats. <laughs> number 224. Hi, I'm Dennis Prager. This is Otto, America's most famous dog. It has not uh, in any way gone to his head. And that's because he has a very good upbringing here, right, Mr. O? Very good. Now, the question is, will Otto stay the entire chat? It has been his want in the last few months to get up and leave when he felt like it. And no amount of bribery seems to work. Anyway, welcome to the fireside chat. A few things, and then I take your questions. So a few things, uh, not in any order of importance, uh, but just uh, I'm reminded Yesterday was Groundhog Day, and that is one of my two, three favorite films ever made. If you haven't seen Groundhog Day, I surely recommend it to you. It is a profound movie and a funny movie. To be profound and funny at the same time is quite an achievement. The acting, the writing, the directing, they're all superb. And the, the ultimate lesson is that you've got to get it right. You keep repeating errors and repeating errors. Groundhog Day keeps repeating in the movie. And until he gets it right, he can't move on to the next day. And that, in, in a certain sense, is, is true for all of us. It's true for everybody. You don't realize it, but everybody has a Groundhog Day. Everybody has things... You ever, you ever think, oh, my God, I just keep repeating the same mistake? Everybody has said that. So, in effect, the movie is about don't repeat the same mistake. You can't move on until you decide not to repeat the same mistake. So, it's a great lesson. There are many great lessons to it. And I thought I'd share it with you because... I don't normally talk about movies, though I will acknowledge that when I see one I really enjoy, I really enjoy it. Next item is the Canadian uh, truckers' strike. Just a few words about that. The people upon whom modern society is dependent for their food and just about everything else that they have in life, truckers, the contempt with, with, with which uh, truck drivers uh, have now been uh, dealt with is astonishing. I don't blame them for their anger. They're in a cab alone nearly all of their time, except when they're sleeping. And they, they have to get vaccinated, even if they have been already afflicted with COVID, even if they already had COVID. By the way, uh, it is now universally acknowledged that between the two, uh, you are less likely to be seriously hurt by COVID or even get COVID again if you have natural immunity, meaning you had COVID as opposed to a vaccine. They say that the two are even better, may well be, but between the two, uh, that is between natural immunity, i.e. having had COVID, and the vaccine, natural immunity uh, is stronger. So if a trucker, let's say, had natural immunity, why should he have to uh, have a vaccine? Uh, 
A lot of these truckers are, well, truckers go in all age groups, but a lot of them are young. Young people are overwhelmingly not likely to be hurt by COVID. Why, do, why should any of them, trucker or not trucker, be forced to get a vaccine or lose their livelihood? This is a monstrosity that governments have created. You will not be able to feed your family or yourself if you, uh, if you do not get a vaccine. It's, it's, it's unprecedented and it's, it's immoral. It's truly immoral. What has been done to young people being used as experiments is unconscionable. But anyway, I've talked about that a lot. I've 100% sympathy with the truckers who are being bullied by uh, a man for whom I, I have no respect, the Prime Minister of Canada, who strikes me as a nothing. And I hate using these words. It's not like me, but I don't like when people who have nothing, nothing deep about them become tyrants. And that, that's what I believe is the case in Canada. Most Canadians have gone along with it, which is very scary, as so many Americans have gone along with the idea that people should be fired. Even firefighters, even police, uh, even doctors, even nurses, if they, if they, for whatever reason, do not get a vaccine, have they been killing people so far? It's like the masks on planes. Why is that? There was a time when there were no masks on planes. Were they killing people? It's the purest air you could breathe outside of, a, of perhaps a hospital special room, the air on an airplane. You think pilots wear masks? How's that for a pretty important question? Of course, they don't wear masks. A, a, pilot may not tell you because he's afraid to get in trouble, but pilots open up to me because they know who I am. They don't wear masks. The second that door closes, they take their masks off. Thank God they do. I don't want them breathing their own air for six hours, to be perfectly honest. I want them breathing fresh air. And by the way, why aren't you killed when the next guy to you, the guy next to you on the plane takes off his or her mask to have some food? What is it? While people eat, you can't kill anybody? I mean, we are living in the age of the absurd. The absurd and people believe it. So I uh, now, what about the truckers and swastikas and urinating on, on the tomb of the unknown soldier? Uh, okay, uh, with regard to the swastika and the Confederate flag, uh, if I had to bet, I would bet that these are provocateurs who came into it with those flags. It's hard for me to believe that a Canadian trucker somehow got a Confederate flag to wave. What, is the, what does Canada have to do with the Confederacy? Okay, nothing. So it's a little hard to believe. Uh, uh, and they did catch one of the guys who had a, who had a swastika, or the only guy to have a swastika. And it, you can see it on on the internet. His face is completely covered. He wanted to be completely anonymous. I don't mean just a mask. No eyes. So uh, this guy was obviously there just to give the truckers a bad name. Uh, these are these are called false flags for the obvious reason that they're false flags. And by the way, even if it was true, and even if pe some people acted awfully, the press is so dishonest in saying that these are representative. All you hear about is peeing on the national monument of the tomb of the unknown soldier. Yeah, Otto Otto got upset, and I don't I don't blame him. He's a sensitive dog. 
so I think as soon as he hears peeing, I think that's what did it, actually. I don't think it was the tomb of the unknown soldier that got him upset. Uh, this is all the way our mainstream media's dishonesty. For two years, American media told you about collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. It, it was all, it was two years of lying. Two years. So I'm supposed to trust them on the reporting from Canada? By the way, it's interesting, just to give you an example, the Associated Press article, oh, here he goes. Oh, how sad. Nate the Great is currently opening the door. I feel like an announcer. Otto is moving toward the door at this time and has left the fireside chat. Anyway, we still have the fireside and the crew and me. So the Associated Press reported on the Canadian truckers and spoke about swastika and Confederate flag. Wall Street Journal news article on it did not mention either once. It shows you how different reporting is. It, if you want to smear anything that the left doesn't agree with, they will find re- there is no it is not possible to have any large scale demonstration, protest, and not have some truly bad apples in the middle. It is not possible. Okay? But you don't judge all a whole group by its bad apples. That's the point. In either direction. And finally, uh, Whoopi Goldberg uh, said on The View that, I'm paraphrasing, that... Uh, the Holocaust was not a racist, a mass a murder of the Jews uh, because the Jews are white and this was just man's inhumanity to man. So this was not this was not an issue of, of race. The Jews are not a race. So I, I was on OAN TV and they asked me about it. And I think somewhat to their surprise, uh, I said two things. One, she apologized. And I said, unlike the left, we on the right accept apologies. If we think you're sincere and you apologized, people move on. Nobody in public life has said, has not said anything that they regret. It is not possible. I have a pretty high track record for someone on for 40 years on radio and a thousand columns. I'm very careful. I'm very outspoken, but I'm very careful. But uh, it is impossible literally impossible not to say anything wrong uh, if you're a public figure. It's not possible. And people should be open on both sides. So I, 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 am, I have no problem as a Jew, as, a, as an American, as a human, in saying I accept your apology, Whoopi Goldberg. But even more interesting is to tell you that there was some truth in what she said. The Jews are not a race. That is true. There are white Jews and black Jews, Arab Jews. Uh, 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 there's every ethnic Jew. And you can convert to becoming a Jew. And you're as much a Jew as a 50th generation Jew. You can't convert to a race, but you can convert to being a Jew because you convert through the religion. Jews are somewhat unique in that they are both a religion and a people. So it confuses two groups, Jews and non-Jews, meaning everybody. 
uh, confused. So what are Jews? Well, Jews are a religion and a people. The, the, they're, they're never called a religion in, in the Bible. They're called a people. Am Yisrael, the nation of Israel. Or Bnei Yisrael, the children of Israel. Israel is the name of Jacob. So it, it's it, ironically, she was right. The Jews are not a race. The part that she was wrong in is it was racism, in part, that animated Hitler. Hitler said, the world is divided between Aryans and non-Aryans. The Jews are non-Aryans, and the Jews alone deserve to be exterminated. He persecuted gypsies, he persecuted gays, he persecuted Slavs, he persecuted Russians, or, or you might say our Slavs, uh, but he, he exterminated Jews. And I made the point on this TV show, and in my book, Why the Jews, which I think you would find incredibly interesting, because it explains all of this. It's called Why the Jews, one of my first books. It's in its third edition. That Jew hatred, called anti-Semitism, Jew hatred is unique. All other bigotries are, are bigotries, are prejudices, are even persecutions, but they're not, they don't have as their goal extermination. Jew haters want to exterminate Jews. The, the slave, slavery was not built on extermination. Killing a black for a slaver was a bad idea. They lost their investment. Blacks were deemed inferior, otherwise they couldn't be kidnapped and enslaved, but not worthy of extermination. So it, it, it's, which is not, does not in any way saying slavery is anything but vile and evil, but there are levels of evil, gradations of evil in life, and extermination is the worst. And that's what the Jews have been uh, targeted for. There is a line in the Passover service. In every generation, someone arises to exterminate us. Exterminate us. That's the Hebrew. By the way, that service I have a book coming out on because it's the most important holiday in history, Passover. And I could explain that. Maybe we'll do that Passover time. I think you'll find that interesting. That was the last supper of Jesus, by the way, was a Passover Seder. So it's, it's really it's really central to Christians. If you want to understand this, it's coming out momentarily. The, the, uh, the rational Passover Haggadah. I have the rational Bible, and now I have this. It's explaining a, a lot about life, like I do with the rational Bible. I think, I don't think, I am sure that you will benefit from it, whether you're a Jew, a Christian, or an atheist, or a Buddhist, or whatever. So now I go to your questions, and here we go. Usually they're in their 20s. My guess is that this questioner is not. Let's see if I'm right. Good evening, Mr. Freiger. My name is Richard Orr. I'm 79 years old. I was born and raised in Southern California. I'm a veteran. I've served in the uh, United States Air Force. 
I was in during the 1960 to 1965, during the Vietnam War, the Cold War, and Cuban crisis. And I was very proud to be in the military. What brings to mind today a question I have is about uh, honoring your mother and your father. As a young man, a young boy, I was, uh, I've seen things with, that my parents did to me and my brother and my sisters that would probably put them in jail today. And I don't uh, dislike them, uh, and I don't uh, hate them. Uh, but when it comes to honor, I'm not real sure, I, I, and I'm troubled by that, and it bothers me. Do I have to be a good person to show that I honor my mother and father? Or do my parents have to be good parents uh, to show that I would honor them? So um, that's my question, and I appreciate your time. Well, it's a great one, and, and a lot of people have that question, and I blew it. I can't believe it. I so was gentle and lifted. Okay, so you are not the only person to pose that question to me. It's a very important one to a lot of people. So I have, uh, I've taught the Ten Commandments all of my life. My mission in life, in a nutshell, is to get the world to live by the Ten Commandments. You want to defund the police? Just have people observe the Ten Commandments. Then you can defund the police. How's that? You can empty the jails for that matter. So one of them is honor your father and mother. And it, in some ways, it's the most important of the Ten Commandments, believe it or not. And my way of knowing that is this. Every totalitarian regime, every cult, the first thing it does is minimize or erase parental authority. Because if you get, if you listen to your parents you won't listen to the party or listen to the regime or listen to the dictator. They all go after parental authority. It's one of the reasons I know that the left is dangerous. It undermines a parental authority. In the state of Washington, you can now, uh, uh, you can now uh, get, uh, get transgender medical attention without your parents' knowledge, let alone consent. Such as if a girl, a teenage girl, wants her breasts removed. Imagine that. A 15-year-old, but doesn't want to tell her parents, or if you wish his parents, whatever pronoun you wish to use is not of interest to me. What's interest to me is parents have no say. Increasingly, parents have no say. That's what uh, lost the uh, gubernatorial race in Virginia when uh, uh, McAuliffe said uh, that uh, who are parents to decide what their kids study in school? And that's a perfectly legit, quote unquote, progressive view. Who the hell are you parents to determine what your children study? So what are parents for exactly? 
in many in many areas, uh, the schools give the kids breakfast. The school gives the kids lunch. Parents aren't even there to give their kids meals. They're not there to determine their their uh, their lives, their education, or anything. They so it's very dangerous when parental authority is undermined. But what if your parent is a jerk? What if your parent is bad? Richard said his, his uh, dad would be in jail today for what he did to him and his siblings. I don't know what your dad did, so I, that would be important to me to know what was done. However, let me explain something. You said you don't hate or even dislike your father. You're, you're totally permitted by the Ten Commandments to hate or dislike your father. That's the irony. Honor your parent doesn't mean love them. This is one of the great geniuses of the, of the five books that I'm writing my commentary on, the first five books of the Bible. There's a commandment to love your neighbor. There's a commandment to love the stranger. There's a commandment to love God. There's no commandment to love your parent. You don't have to love your parent. If you do, that's, that's gravy. That's icing on the cake, whatever other cliche you want to use. But you don't have to. What does honor mean? Well, I'll give you an example. Let us say there was a commandment, as there should be, honor the police. But what if there's a really terrible policeman who beats honest, uh, uh, honest citizens up? Okay, so clearly we punish him, but we keep the law of honoring the police. That there are exceptionally bad parents, I understand, but the law remains that the parental authority is sacred. So do you have to honor a, a, a horrible parent who abused you sexually or, or, uh, or just physically? So what does then honor mean? Honor is not a feeling. Honor is a behavior. Now, of, what is the famous phrase in law school? Bad cases make bad law. The fact that there will always be an exception. Here, you're supposed to stop at a red light. Okay? What if the guy in your car has a heart attack and there were no cars coming in the other direction? Would you go through a red light? I would. But it doesn't establish any principle about not obeying red lights. We honor our parents. Are there parents who are so awful that they are as exceptional as the guy having a heart attack in your car? Yes, there are. So I I can't tell you what to do. That's between you and God. I can only say that I saw in my father, who was not molested by his mother, but who was yelled at every time he called her, which was every day of the week. I saw a phenomenal model of honoring a parent through my father. My father called his mother every, every day of the week. And often I was privy to it because he did it from the kitchen. In those days, you know, you didn't have cell phones. It was it, wherever there was a phone, you made a call. Well, we had one in the kitchen. So he'd sit at the table and he'd call her and all I'd hear is yelling. I didn't understand what she was yelling uh, because she talked to him in Yiddish, uh, not in uh, not in English. That was her language. Uh, but I knew she was yelling at him. So he called his mother every day to get yelled at. <laughs> and it, it was so bad, he would actually put the phone on the table while she was yelling. And so all of us would hear the yelling. 
<laughs> for me, it was gobbledygook. I didn't know what she, it, I know she wasn't yelling. I love you. Believe me. And, uh, and every so often my father would pick up the phone and go, yeah, ma, yeah, ma. And then he put it back down and more yelling. It made a very big impression upon me. Wow. She's a tough lady. She, I'll tell you how tough she was. This is going to crack you up. All of you. This grandmother uh, spoke a little English when she spoke to me because I, I didn't know Yiddish. So I was about eight years old. I was on the phone with her. And she says to me, I don't know what provoked it, your mother is a Hitler, which is pretty remarkable for this is not long after the Holocaust. <laughs> and it's a Jewish family. <laughs> your, your mother is Hitler. So here is where is one of these signposts that I I knew I had a very easygoing nature. Not only was I not blown away and pained, I thought it was hilarious. I put my hand on the phone on you know on the talking part, and I go, Dad, Dad, Grandma called Mom Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was hilarious too. I mean, my, you know, me, I could Mussolini. I get, get, I, I, I would get that. She was a, a difficult. She was, she was a great human being, and but a, a very, very tyrannical mother, which is fine. I'm not complaining. Uh, but uh, Hitler was a little over the top, I have to say. Uh, in, in any event, uh, this was a tough woman, and I saw the way my father treated her. And why? Because he believed God instructed him to honor his father and mother. His father was easy to honor. His father was a very lovable, easygoing guy whom I never knew. He died when I was two. But that's what I am told. So I can't answer, uh, Richard. I can't, I can't tell you in your specific case. I can only tell you that honor does not have anything to do with, with feelings. It has to do with behavior. And that normally speaking, even tough parents deserve a certain type of honor. There are exceptions. I, I acknowledge that fact. So uh, I, ho- I hope that's helpful to everybody. I, I give you one more example. I, I did not like uh, the president, Jimmy Carter. I didn't, I, I, even though I believe it or not, I voted for him. It was the last time I voted Democrat. I was raised a Democrat. And I voted for him. Uh, but it doesn't matter. I, I did. I came to not care for the man. But it turns out that he was in a, my radio studio in Los Angeles shortly after leaving the presidency, uh, being interviewed by the host before me. And when uh, when he walked in, uh, I uh, I stood up. Now, I didn't stand up for Jimmy Carter. I stood up for the President of the United States. So I, I hope that also might, might, might explain a little bit about this. So that was big. Let me take one more. Let's see what we can do here. All right. Owen, 13 years old in Woodenville, Washington. Hi, Mr. Prager. The world is an uncertain place right now, and your fireside chats fill me Fill me in and give me faith that there are still good people in society. I'm glad there are. At school, 95% of the students do not like me for being Republican. I do wear USA hats and Trump hats to school. What would be your recommendation to show the kids that I am a better person than they see me as? Thank you and God bless you. Well, believe it or not, 
and a lot of you won't agree with me, which I can I can handle. I'm a big boy. I don't think it's wise to wear a Trump hat to school. And I voted for Donald Trump passionately uh, twice. I thought he was a great president. Uh, and he's a, he's a difficult man, but he was a great president. Uh, but I would not wear a, tr- a Trump hat. And I'll tell you why. You have to ask what is effective, not what feels good. It might feel good that, and, and you have guts to do that. I salute you to do that by that you're doing that. I just want to make that clear. But in order to be effective, don't immediately announce your position. First, let them know you. By wearing a Trump hat, they don't know you. They know your hat. You want them to know you as the good person that I presume you are. And then, oh, what was his? Owen, yes. Oh, oh, yeah, Owen, yeah, he's our friend. We, we, we just went to the movies with him or we, you know, we just uh, watched the, watch the football game together. And then gradually, at times, just let them know what your position might be. Like you're in Washington State. You know, guys, do you really think it would be a good idea to defund the police? Don't, don't don't more innocent people get killed? By the way, disproportionately, uh, blacks get killed when we defund the police. You know, uh, blacks don't want to defund the police. Every poll done is actually more whites want to defund the police than blacks. How's that for an irony? So you let your positions out in a very sophisticated way. But the moment you wear a hat that announces the... Uh, the most uh, triggering, to use their term, a thing you could do, they're not going to know you. I want them to know you and then find out that this guy that they like, Owen, has positions that differ from theirs. That That's, I think, the best way to go about it. And with that, amazing, these fireside chats come to an end. See you next week on behalf of the missing Otto. Thanks for watching. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.